0: Due to harsh language and violent content, listener discretion is advised. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the horror suffered by a group of three adults, Stuart, Arnie, and Brock. Though they had experienced horror before, had they lived very, very long lives they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and the macabre as they were to see with this retrospective series. For them, a movie review podcast became a symphony of terror. The events of this viewing were to lead to one of the most bizarre podcasts in the annals of Internet history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective series.
1: Today, we're discussing Texas Chainsaw 3D, starring Alexandra Daddario, Dan Yeager, Tremaine Neverson, Tanya Ramon, Tom Barry, and Bill Moseley, directed by John Lucenhop. I'm Arnie, co host of Now Playing, Stuart in LA.
0: And this is Brock, co host of Now Playing, Do Your Thing, Cuz. Ah, you stole my line. <laughs> well, I get the honor of doing the line being in the third slot, so I'm going to play it up, baby. <laughs> Yeah, we
1: are back. When last we left our chainsaw, it was years ago. It was so fun to go back and re-listen to those old shows. And we thought that there wouldn't be a Texas Chainsaw movie in Now Playing's Lifetime. So why not just go ahead and review the six? But we knew Twisted Pictures had the rights. They'd taken it from Platinum Dunes. And they'd been teasing a Texas Chainsaw in 3D for a couple of years, and now here it is.
0: Let's be a lesson to us all that a dormant series does not mean it's forever dormant, which means, folks, do not hold your breath for our Police Academy series. We'll have to wait to the next entry in the series.
2: Saw is the only time I can think of where we've actually had to go back and tape a new one after we've done an old one. And I haven't been on one of those, so I've never had to do this before. I've never looked back. I thought for sure that in my first year of now playing, by this point, I would have been through at least one Freddy, maybe a couple of new Freddies. I would have been sure that there would have been another Friday the 13th by now. That was our first one. I mean, it's crazy that there hasn't been more of this. But no, this is the first time we've had to go back to
1: a horror series. And 2013 is our year to go back, though. It's Fitting that our first show of the year is appending on to our Texas Chainsaw series as later this year will append on to Star Trek and Avengers and Marvel Misfits and X-Men. So this is finally after the now playing curse for so many years of being, you will not continue your series after we
2: review you, the Studio strike back. And boy, do they hit me where it hurts. Texas Chainsaw 3D, boys. Woo! Well, you know, when we finished with Texas Chainsaw, I think we were all in agreement, not one of the best series of the bunch, not a collection of movies that we would treasure again and again. I pretty much liked the first one, and I was done. Arnie, you were pretty much rooting for the reboot. We all gave a couple passes to other things, but for the most part, I think we can agree, it was one film that worked for you, and the rest of it was take or mostly leave it. So I wasn't anxious to come back to Texas Chainsaw. I wasn't really sure that there was going to be anything here for anyone to explore, be it Lionsgate, Platinum Dunes, or anybody would really be able to find something new that hadn't been done in the first one. I
1: tend to agree with you. I really wondered how they would continue this series. And yeah, looking back, we'd already had the reboot and then the prequel to the reboot. I was very curious how they'd go and... Six months ago, when we first put a new Texas Chainsaw on the calendar, I'll admit to sharing your skepticism, but in the intervening months, as I still read Fangoria Magazine, and I was reading interviews with Bill Mosley coming back, and the filmmakers making it a direct sequel to the original, so part two, part three, Next Generation, reboot, prequel, all gone, going back to the source material, going back to some hardcore horror, I will admit To being excited and optimistic, yet going in with the absolute lowest of expectations. Early buzz on this was bad. I went in expecting Texas Chainsaw 3, but hoping for Texas Chainsaw reboot.
0: Arnie, you took the words out of my mouth there. Lowest of expectations, I had absolutely no need to ever watch another new Texas Chainsaw movie. And also, as we've talked about on this show before, January is typically the dumping ground for studios. And while there are exceptions in recent years, of course, Taken being the biggest one, January movies usually have not a lot to offer. So, Two down going in, but I kept an open mind, and listening to the previous shows I'm now playing really did help me get back into the mindset for Texas Chainsaw.
1: And I also went back, I listened to all our old shows, I did not rewatch all six previous movies, I did revisit the first one, since this is a direct sequel to the original, despite being the lone holdout not recommend on that, I went back, watched it. And I would like to revisit and say, while well, if doing the show again today, I would probably still give it the red arrow. Stuart, your comments specifically on that show has made me see it in a new light. I don't agree with all your comedy things, but it has helped me grow even more of an appreciation for the original.
2: Good. Glad to hear you say that. Because, yeah, I would think that a movie that was a direct sequel to something you didn't like wouldn't make you more optimistic. But I do remember leaving the series feeling that, yes... There would be another one that it would be in 3D. What I had hoped to see would be that they would finally give Leatherface a showcase and that they would finally ditch the family and give him the opportunity to be the horror icon that he's never quite been able to comfortably step into here. It does seem like that's what they're doing now with this direct sequel. They pretty much kill off the old clan and give him a new opportunity to come back. It does seem like they're following the thought pattern that I had in picking up with where Platinum Dunes left the series.
1: I like to think that perhaps the creators, maybe John Lusenhop, was trying to find out what Texas Chainsaw fans would want. Found our retrospective, listened, and went, Stuart says, solo Leatherface, let's do solo Leatherface. And so I'm just predicting a Stuart Recommend at the end of the show.
2: Awesome. I would love to get a screenplay credit, but it seems like there's already five people on this already, not to mention ten producers. I guess there's no room for me. But, hey, if I contributed anything to this movie, well, then I'm sorry. (laughs) Arnie, how about a plot? Well, the newest film picks up right where the
1: first one left off, and we see the response to the Sawyer family's attack on Sally and her friends in the original. Sally survived to tell her tale to the police, and Sheriff Hooper goes to arrest the Sawyers, who have called apparently even more of their kin to hold up against the unavoidable police showdown, Waco-style. Hooper really only wants Leatherface, real name Jeb Sawyer, and Drayton Sawyer, the cook now revealed as Jeb's father, reluctantly agrees. But before Jeb can go out, a posse of angered Texans come to hang the Sawyers for their cannibalistic ways. A shootout occurs, and a Molotov cocktail burns the Sawyers in their homestead, with only Loretta Sawyer and her baby daughter escaping. Surveying the wreckage, posse member Gavin Miller finds Loretta and her baby, kills the woman, and steals the child to raise as his own with his barren wife. And then we flash forward X number of years, we will discuss what X is. And the little girl, raised as Heather Miller, is now an adult living north of Texas with a weird fascination for creating art out of bones. She, her boyfriend Ryan, Ryan's high school friend Carl, and Heather's slutty friend Nikki are planning a vacation in New Orleans, but a letter from a Texas lawyer reveals to Heather that she's adopted, and her grandmother has left her a mansion in Texas. The four friends divert to Texas to claim the property on their way to New Orleans, picking up a hitchhiker at a gas station along the way. But while enjoying the party of a free mansion, Heather and her friends didn't realize locked in the basement is Leatherface, who had been taken care of by Grandma Verna all these years. The hitchhiker starts to rob the place and unwittingly releases Leatherface, who reverts to his old ways and starts to slaughter the teens with his chainsaw, hanging them on hooks and shoving them in refrigerators. Heather barely escapes to the police while her friends are all meat for the chainsaw in a chase that goes through the mansion, down the road, and even to a local carnival?
0: child's play 2 we're gonna talk about that scene that
2: scene oh my god that scene
1: but in going to sheriff hooper still sheriff of new texas all these years later heather stirs up an old rivalry Bert, leader of the posse who killed the sawyers is now the town mayor and when he finds out leatherface is still alive he wants to finish what his posse started years ago killing off all the sawyers including leatherface and heather They take Heather to the old slaughterhouse to slaughter her, but before they can, Leatherface arrives. And when Heather reveals herself to be Leatherface's cousin, Edith Rose Sawyer, he spares her, and the two actually team up to kill the bloodthirsty mayor and his compatriots. Sheriff Hooper turns a blind eye to Heather and Leather's carnage as he never cottoned to the posses outside the law actions, and Heather assumes the mantle of Sawyer matriarch, moving into the house and becoming the caretaker of mentally challenged Leatherface, who willingly returns to his room in the basement as credits roll.
0: With the bodies of all her friends down there still.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They weren't very good friends, truth be told. Agreed, but
0: they're still there. Yeah.
2: So that is the plot. They do try to instantly put us back in the mood of that first film. You know, that squeaky hinge sound effect is kicking off here as we hear screams and see clips from the original. It's kind of like a greatest kill list from the first movie. They catch us up by how people died in 3D. It was kind of a neat thing.
0: I think it was completely effective. I think it really was a really smart way to open this movie considering of course not only because it picks up at the exact moment the first one ends, but also it gives people an idea of what happened before because I bet you the audience I was watching this with may not have seen the original movie. It was a very young audience. So a very bright idea, not to mention the Superman 2 idea of going back and revisiting the whole movie helped me because I had not rewatched the movie even though I knew it in my head. It was nice to see the parallels later on in the movie.
1: I agree. I thought it was an effective way to do it. I also give them so much props because their post-conversion 3D and the cleanup they did. I mean, I rewatched Texas Chainsaw the night before seeing Chainsaw 3D. And I watched it on the Blu-ray special edition, supposed to be the best picture out there. But they really went above and beyond. This old footage matches the new footage and has great 3D effect to it. They really went above and beyond in this conversion. I dare say a better 3D conversion than Phantom Menace.
0: I wouldn't know, but I'll take your word for it. He's right. It was a very nice way to do it, although I wasn't happy with 3D throughout. Maybe I'll talk about that later, maybe. But here in the opening, yes, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I really thought that they had refilmed these scenes. That is how good they looked. And they don't really show a lot of the faces. And I was like, did they recast and just bring people in. And I'm like, well, that really looks like the guy who was hit with the hammer. And when I saw Sally and Franklin, I'm like, wait, no. These are the original and they just cleaned up the footage. Good on them. That was a great way to do it because, yeah, this is not billed as Texas Chainsaw 7. This is not even billed as Texas Chainsaw 2B. This is Texas Chainsaw 3D. You should not have the necessity of being familiar with the original coming into this. And... I think it's a very smart way to go. I will say though, it did set my expectations that much like the reboot, this entire movie would be set in the 70s.
2: Yes, I was hoping it would keep the sort of griminess that the Toby Hooper first film had. It discards that very, very quickly. I think it does one other thing too. It gives short shrift to how horrible what the Sawyers have done is. So that we actually perceive a new bad guy here now at an extended prologue that, okay, yeah, they might have killed a couple different people really quickly, but what we really focus on is the fact that a lynch mob comes to their house and unfairly annihilates them. Is it unfair, Stuart? That's what they would like to have us believe. They would like us to believe that Bert is a bad guy because he rustles up a posse, pushes past probably the worst sheriff I've ever seen in any (laughs) film.
0: Unaffective (laughs) is the word I would use. Oh, my
2: God. And continues to be for decades. Probably why he kept his job. For decades, this man does nothing. (laughs) It's just incredible what he allows in his town. But, yes, the bad guys are, quote, unquote, these rubes that kill these people. A woman with a baby. You know, like, we're really meant to side with the people inside this house and feel like it's terrible what's happened.
1: I did wonder where the other Sawyers, especially the woman with the baby, came from.
2: Retcons.
1: They're yes. just suddenly there. Mm-hmm. Read. And I wouldn't say that we're necessarily rooting for them. I see what you're saying about having a woman with a baby. But I took this to be just a bleakness where the only morally right character was the sheriff. I'm not with the posse. I'm not with the Sawyers. It's a bunch of morally reprehensible people in a showdown. And it took me back to the Devil's Rejects, which opens very much the same way.
0: Stuart, I think you're right. They're trying to paint the sheriff bad, and I think they did accomplish that. But then again, the Sawyers did butcher these kids right before that. So you can't forget that. And so both sides are, as I think the words Arnie uses good, morally reprehensible. But on the other hand, I could see the, the posse justice, the Texas justice thing going on here. I thought that this sort of thing could happen. And I thought that was, dare I say the word realistic? Because this to me seems like something that could happen in a town like that in the middle of nowhere, Texas, but in a small town like that, don't you think this could happen? It was what I thought should happen.
2: I mean, if we go back to Texas Chainsaw Part 2, I was aghast at the fact that the family was able to get away after one of their victims had so publicly been discovered by two different people in vehicles. It seemed impossible that they would have been able to pack up their clan and hit the road in a meat truck. So, yes, it seemed logical that it would end this way. All I'm saying is that all of a sudden we have what I would characterize as a very Romero-ish twist In which the real monsters aren't the people that we thought were the monsters, but the human saviors, the rubes that come in with shotguns and do killing in the name of justice. And that you have Bert quoting the Bible as he's raising the entire building. And everyone dies. There's a woman that somehow gets out with a baby, but she's kicked and is dead. And everyone else is burned to a crisp. We can feel comfortable in saying that nobody survives this other than Leatherface, for reasons unknown, somehow gets away.
1: Makes a little bit of sense because he wasn't in the front room where the fire was thrown, so he could slip out the back door. If the woman and the baby could get out, yeah, Leatherface could also get out.
2: Yeah. right. And, of course, they're doing cute homages here. Gunnar Hansen, who was the original Leatherface back, the Toby Hooper Leatherface, he's one of the Klansmen here that gets burned up. And, of course, the sheriff is called Hooper, named after the original director. And I'm thinking he might have been just as ineffective on the set of Poltergeist.
0: Hey, Arnie, didn't you say Bill Mosley is in this scene?
2: Bill Mosley
1: is. I was so excited. Listeners know I'm a fan of Bill Mosley. It's twice in two months that he's let me down. First with Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Now here, he came back. He was all about bringing back Texas Chainsaw. He actually submitted scripts to Twisted Pictures for Texas Chainsaw sequels. And they didn't use his scripts. They asked him to come back. He thought he was coming back as Chop Top. Turns out they didn't have the rights to any of the sequels. He couldn't be Chop Top even if they wanted him to. So they brought him back to play the cook, Drayton Sawyer, from the first two films. So that is Bill Moseley completely, ineffectively used and killed off. With less than two minutes of screen time, I think.
0: I didn't recognize him, so he's the guy who was talking to the sheriff and debating with the old man about getting them Leatherface?
1: Yes, that's okay. Bill Moseley. Got it. And also, I found it interesting that Sheriff Hooper only wanted Leatherface. Didn't want Drayton, who was equally complicit, beating Sally up with a broom and kidnapping her. Didn't want Grandpa, who bludgeoned her with a hammer, kind of.
2: Yeah, it's all incredible what the sheriff will tolerate here. It seems like everyone knew what was going on here, and they finally had enough. Like This was the breaking point of like, okay, we can't have another one of these. When I watched the original movie, that environment felt so secluded, I thought nobody knew what was going on at this farmhouse. But with these townspeople coming in, rushing in like this, so quick with their guns, beating the law enforcement, I have to believe there was a community of people. There was always this small town nearby that kind of knew, but you know, maybe they didn't want to give up the jerky. Maybe they just liked the taste (laughs) of the meat, but they were down with this. Well, in
1: the very original, I'm glad I rewatched it because there is one guy at the graveyard in the beginning who's a drunkard and just like, I see things. There's things that go on around here. So it was set up in the original that people do turn a blind eye to the Sawyer cooking methods.
0: I have a question for you both, though, because this grandmother still lived in this town, in this mansion. She's a Sawyer. So if this town folk led by this now mayor who was content with burning down everybody and getting rid of all the Sawyers, why did they let this one woman live when they know her connection? And why would she stay in this town? with? And where'd she get the money for a giant house? She's a Clayton, not a Sawyer. She's
1: the maternal side. So Clayton married into the Sawyers or something. She was not... One of the cannibals, but she was kin.
0: So they let her go because she wasn't doing the cannibalistic ways of the Sawyers.
1: And her last name wasn't Sawyer. It was Clayton. Right, right. That's true. Now, I got a lot of other questions regarding Heather, though. I mean, how does Grandma Verna know about Heather, know she didn't die in the fire, know who raised her? They bring it up, and they give a non-answer as if it explains it. You were never lost. OK, how?
2: Yeah, they answer themselves with their own questions. The sheriff at one point says, well, maybe there was an underground tunnel and Leatherface escaped. Well, maybe, but uh, we never saw it. We never understood it. Nobody really does any hard investigation in how this scene happens. Again, I would say the focus of this is it looks like the Sawyers are about to cooperate. It looks like they are about to give up Leatherface, and it's only because of these Bible-quoting rubes that come in here with their shotguns and Molotov cocktails that it ends up being a massacre, that the massacre that happens here is against the Sawyer clan. It's a persecution of anyone with this last name.
1: It does set up a very Hatfield versus McCoy's type setup. In this case, though, I mean, despite how the movie is wanting to play it, I completely get the posse's motivation here, and I'm like, yeah, let's string up a rope for the cannibals.
2: Yeah, I agree. Anybody that wanted to purge their community of cannibalistic inbred killers, I disagree with the methods, but I understand the fervor by which they would want to rid themselves of that. That is not something you want associated with your town, I wouldn't think.
1: But is this occurring in the 70s, or is this occurring <laughs> in 1989? Well, because they're yeah. very coy with the year. And again, I said I thought this whole movie would be in the 70s. I was reading Bill Moseley and the director talking about how they painstakingly recreated the entire Sawyer environment with the cars under the tarps, even looking for a chicken of the right level of fatness to put in the cage for the new scenes. I thought this whole movie would take place then. So when we fast forward and we see Heather is a young adult, And I'm thinking, okay, is this a period piece in the 90s? Are they going to be going to see Scream? No, this is obviously today. And they're really coy about what year this all happens. It looks 70s to me, but I guess it was the late 80s.
0: Well, they're so coy with it that later in the movie they have redacted black over the year when she's reading this stuff, and in the gravestones, all the gravestones are covered.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they got mud, conveniently, where everyone died. There's a splatter of mud. I love that. That made me laugh hard.
0: It was a tree branch on Loretta's or something. I was like, oh, maybe her real name was like, I had this whole theory about why they were doing it, and later on in the movie, I'm like, oh, they're just trying to conceal the year. I was giving it too much credit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, by this point, Heather could have had her own baby, who would be old enough to be getting this letter about her great-grandmother i mean they could have played it that way this actress could have played the great-granddaughter and not the biological child that was taken from here but i guess that would have felt once removed and more importantly she wouldn't have that burned sawyer medallion on her breast they keep going back to again and again and again
0: When we first meet her she's actually cutting meat so that gives her the comfortability of seeing raw flesh
2: It also means that you're born violent. I think this movie makes the case, you know, later she goes to make art with bones, and that'll be in direct contrast to the bone mobiles that Leatherface means. It means that even though she didn't grow up in that environment, she's still a Sawyer. This is her true calling. It doesn't matter what you make of your life. At the end of the day, genetics determine all.
0: Nature versus nurture, baby. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's – I think they're setting it up now so later in the movie when she does stuff, I mean that's blatant to me and I'm like, okay –
2: Yeah, the turn she has to make is incredible. So, yes, they do their best here to say that, yes, she's someone that's searching for herself. Well, you know, she's 40 years old and working at a grocery butchery shop. Yeah, she's looking for herself. I don't know that she needs to drive down to Texas to find it. Maybe she just needs to, like, take a community college class. But is she 40? I think she's 20. She looks 20. She acts 20,
1: which is why I think the Sawyers burned up in the 80s.
0: I agree. She's 25, I thought. She's, like, definitely out of college age. I don't think the filmmakers want us to harp on this at all. No, they want us to ignore it. Right, and does it really matter?
1: It's the mulligan I'm giving this movie is that there's only been 20 years between 1974 and 2013.
0: Yes, and I think it's a choice they had to make. ...for a variety of reasons, one of which being, of course, to connect to today's audiences.
1: It's the right choice. It is, for the reasons you just said. You need to connect to the young, bloodthirsty audience. I will admit, this movie made me feel very, very old. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, to bring in the young audience, you need to have them up there on the screen... ...as they are today, or as they soon will be, the late teens, early 20s. And so, yeah... I just give it that this movie is taking place in the 21st century and the Sawyers had their posse burn them up in the mysterious year of 1989. The problem with the meat cutting and the bone art is... Didn't you immediately know how this movie was going to end? She's a Sawyer. She's making things out of bones. There is no twist in this movie. It's set up right here.
2: Well, you could write it one of two ways. She finds herself and ends up rejecting it. Or yes, she really truly finds herself and becomes one of them. It could go either way. It's more believable if it's the former. But given that this is a horror movie, uh, yeah, it was not a shocker. They go with the latter.
0: I was hoping they were going for the former the whole time, though. I was rooting for the movie to have her reject it and maybe towards the end not have as big a turn, maybe have a slight one. But the big turn she makes at the end of the movie is a big pill to swallow. And they set up her slutty girlfriend here and they set up her boyfriend punching a big old bag in their apartment together, which I thought was a wonderful setup for a fight coming up later in the movie. I was wrong. Why do
2: that? Why introduce a guy as a fighter and then never give him a fight? Kill him in a car crash, no less. Doesn't even get the chainsaw. One of many, many mistakes this movie makes here, but this is the big star, Trey Songs. You guys feel old? This guy's a big star. Have you ever heard any of his songs?
0: I thought you would, Stuart, because all these other podcasts we have, you always talk about having all this eclectic music knowledge. Aren't you familiar with it? Aren't you have a t-shirt of his <laughs> from his
2: concerts? <laughs> I caught up with him only because I'm like, oh, this guy is somebody. I played three of his music videos and it was all about popping bottles at the club and romancing women. I, I hated it, but it-, it did make me feel Old, this was a story never even heard of.
1: Not only does it make me feel old, but it explains so much because I was trying to figure out what are they doing with this character with all of his tattoos. Is it that I'm so old that now everybody is basically tattooed head to toe? I have some tattoos, but when you see verses on his breastbone, I was really trying to figure out what they were trying to tell us about this kickboxing character. Oh, wait, no, this just is his real tattoos, and he's a singer. Okay.
2: Yeah, if this were set in the 90s, you wouldn't buy this character. Again, it's another thing that lets you know this is happening present day.
1: Yeah, with the kickboxing, how do you set up kickboxing in the first act and not have him basically go bust a rhymes and
0: leatherface this motherfucker and get a big action spectacle even if he doesn't beat leatherface he has to throw a kick or a punch and he doesn't even get a chance to do that they neuter him the way they kill him in this movie was the worst death in the entire movie i'm with you guys
2: on this i think there are five screenwriters on this not because it took five people to concoct such an ingenious plot. <laughs> I think there was a lot of infighting about where to take this. And I see lots of steps towards one direction and then being pulled back and going in the opposite direction. I am sure somebody's draft had this guy, maybe even surviving, but fighting his way most certainly and punching his way through this Sawyer clan. I bet you at some point this was a star vehicle for him and, and somebody else said no. I hope he wasn't cheating on his girlfriend in that draft
1: because they set him up as pretty unlikable as he has slept and will once again sleep with Heather's best friend.
0: I read on Wikipedia that this film was cut down to get an R rating from an NC-17 from gore and violence. Perhaps what happened is they had to refilm his death or something and cut him out of the last half of the movie to reduce that. It's possible. I have no idea.
1: From what I can tell, all they really cut was gore. I'm sure we'll find out when the unrated Blu-ray comes out, if it's a huge Halloween 2, we're going to fuck it up even worse. (laughs) <laughs> type of extra scenes or if it's just a few seconds of gore here or there but what i've read leads me to think the latter
0: and i gotta say i thought the gore in this movie wasn't too over the top and this is me saying it folks brock that i thought what they did here was just enough gore to be a little disturbing but not so disturbing that it's uncomfortable to watch this movie they didn't linger on shots they didn't go back to things too many times they did a rob zombie They actually had enough gore and did it right. I thought the cuts, if they did make them, were the good ones. And I thought, like, when they cut the kid in half, for example, they could have probably used a little bit more gore.
1: I agree. I think that there's a couple scenes that could have used a little more. This almost felt PG-13 to me
0: for a lot of it, especially with the lack of the titty shot. It kept on hinting that titty shot. It was like (sighs) – it was almost there. Like, that's a the pasties she had on that shirt must have been really strong because it would only go so far. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think they sewed that shirt to her boob like they sew Leatherface's mask to his face.
0: <laughs>
2: so, Nikki, Every time I saw this chick, I was thinking Eva Mendez's younger, sluttier sister. Yes, I knew this girl. I watched Lost. She played Alex Rousseau, the daughter
1: of one of the island inhabitants.
0: Oh, Okay. I gotta tell you guys, the three leads we just talked about, Heather, the boyfriend, and her, as horror movie girls and guys go, I thought they were okay. I thought they all acted pretty well in this movie.
2: Yeah, for the low bar that's being set here, they're adequate.
0: Stuart, I think they're a little higher. I think they're Frey versus Jason good. I think they're a little higher than than typical Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: I gotta side with Stuart on this
1: one. They're fine. They at no point bring me into their characters. They are shallowly written and (laughs) acted to match. (laughs)
2: Yeah, You might make the case that Heather is okay and might find herself in another project after this movie. I think Trey Songz is going to make more songs and less movies. (laughs) I think this other girl is probably going to do more TV. So I don't think we're seeing any Kevin Bacon or Johnny Depp here. I don't think that anybody's going to go on to be huge. Actually, they're predicting,
1: because of the upcoming Percy Jackson film, that... Alexandria Daddario will get the what they call Texas Chainsaw bump and become the next Jessica Biel, the next Viggo Morgensen, the next Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey.
0: She absolutely will, I think, because not only does she have a body that won't quit, which is very Hollywood nowadays. I
1: think it's in her contract that her stomach must show at all times in the movie.
0: <laughs> I was impressed later in the movie when she put the new shirt on that she actually unbuttoned it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. No, no, no. We still must see the flesh. <laughs> and and she's been working forever if you look at her IMDB page. So that she absolutely is poised for stardom. And when we do our Percy Jackson retrospective, we can talk all about her again.
1: The one of this group who I really never clicked with is Kenny the Chef. Who's supposed to be Nikki's new love interest, but I never bought him as into Nikki. I never bought him as a friend of Ryan's. He felt more disparate from the group than even the hitchhiker they
2: pick up along the way. No, but at least he's age-appropriate. The actor is almost 40 years old. So I'm like, all right, they're mixing it here. Leads 26, (laughs) he's 40, they're trying to hedge their bets and not define those years of it took between her birth and this time period.
0: I thought they kind of shirked or played close to their vest the fact that this kid was gay. I thought (laughs) they were trying to project him as gay because before before we even meet him, you hear he made her crepes. And then all these stereotypes are coming out and when he shows up and he wants to make the dinner. And all, I'm like, I think they're trying to say he's gay, but don't want to say he's gay. I thought they made a choice there and then they, they pulled back from it.
1: All I know is this guy is my age and I wish I looked as young as he did because I thought he was 20s in the film.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I had no idea he was our age.
2: As a collection, again, I throw him into the pot. I know that he's definitely not going to live through this. Trey songs, I'm not sure because he's a star. The lead, obviously, she's going to be fine. But slutty Eva Mendez clone and this guy, we're going to see violent, violent <laughs> deaths for them. And we need that. We need to build this cast here. It can't just be her and her boyfriend going back. We need a body count here as they hop into a van and start swaying to the hip hop. We need for the numbers to build, and they do. They even give us a fifth one here that they meet on the road.
1: I was thinking... that. This- would have a very low body count i was really surprised they held back and only had four kids going on the road because they talk about other friends there's another attractive girl in the opening scene i'm like oh she's gonna be more meat for the chainsaw no she just has one line and never seen again and so i really thought wow only four people they're not doing the friday the 13th reboot at all where there's so many characters you can't count but then they do another fake out for me because they pick up a hitchhiker. And having just seen the original, I'm like, oh, he's part of the family. They conveniently hit him with their car and he's fine. And he goes, I should sue, but I'll take beef jerky.
0: (laughs) 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 We've seen this
2: in the Texas Chainsaw before. And every time, usually the hitchhiker has caused problems. One time she committed suicide. The other time they're one of the clan. I thought for sure he had to be one of the clan, but He was just too pretty for that. I was just like, eh, this guy is too good-looking to be one of the inbred sicko yokels that they're going to meet here. So I wasn't totally sure what they were going to do with Daryl, but I knew he was dead meat.
1: Well, keep in mind, they've had attractive ones before. I thought they were doing the Viggo Mortensen here, where he's the normal-looking guy who pretends to be on their side, and then he twists and becomes part of the clan.
0: Well, I also thought what Arnie thought, because that's what they want us to think, if you are familiar with Texas Chainsaw movies. Clearly, they were going for that. But that being said, I thought he was the most likable of all five kids. I liked him a lot. The actor did a good job with this role.
1: What I never got from them, though, is why would they be so trusting of a hitchhiker? The whole time, I'm not trusting this hitchhiker. They leave him in the house, and <laughs> he starts going into the house with a mission, and I'm like, he's going to go release his cousin or brother or something. No, he's a thief. So no matter what, they're, they exhibit extremely
2: poor hitchhiker judgment. That makes no sense. Hey, you just inherited a giant house. Do you want to go explore it? No. Let's all go to the grocery store and leave the stranger here with the keys.
0: They say after they figured out that he robbed the place, one of the guys says, oh, he played that smooth. No, he didn't. (laughs) You're a moron.
2: No, he was actually very bad at hiding it, but you were worse.
0: (laughs) Yes. I still thought the guy was very likable, though. I thought the hitchhiker
2: Yeah, he'll make a great CW character in one of their soaps.
1: (laughs) I do appreciate, though, when they come back, Heather is so upset that he stole their items. I'm like, you didn't have him five minutes before. You left a hitchhiker there.
2: Is it really that much of a loss? Right. You didn't even know what you were inheriting. I'm a little confused about this plot to begin with. She says she's going to find herself. I thought it was mean to connect to her extended family. And then we hear some mumbo jumbo about needing to sign papers. But didn't they send her the papers already to sign? It didn't really make any sense. And all of a sudden, she's got a house. I didn't think I understood that until Farnsworth shows up and says, here's the passkey to the gate. And... You can't sell it no matter what, Right.
1: so here you go. That, that's a shitty inheritance. Yeah, is that even legal? Congratulations, it's property
2: taxes that you as a grocery store butcher cannot afford to pay. And here's another character that I feel like probably was written five different ways. I think Farnsworth, he ends up being far more innocent to this whole plot than he probably was intended to be. I mean, he knows the code to get in there. He knows that Leatherface is inside here, but he is not anything more than a lawyer. He is only obeying what Verna wanted. He's not setting these kids up to die, which is what I would have presumed they would have written that character to do.
1: Especially since it's an actor I've seen before, don't know his name, but he's the guy with the jump to conclusions, Matt, from Office Space. He's not a nobody So it does feel like they might have hired him for a bigger part than he eventually got.
0: I don't think so, Arnie. I think he's hired for the perfect part for him. He's a guy we all recognize, of course, as you said, but he's not a star actor. He's a character actor. This is the perfect part for him.
2: To open the gate? I mean, he does really nothing. And then later, like, she'll dial him up later and says, why did you do this? He was like, I don't know. I gave you a letter. Imagine how different the rest of this movie would play if she had right there read this letter and said, by the way, you have a cannibalistic hillbilly cousin in the basement that you need to feed every eight hours.
0: You just said something there that I don't think was in this movie because you said you have a cannibalistic cousin in the basement. They dropped the cannibalistic element of this thing right away. There's no evidence. That he's eating the bodies in the basement. There's no evidence that the grandmother's actually giving him meat of people to eat. There's just bones down there. They look like giant femurs, I'll give you that. But I have no idea that Leatherface is a cannibal in this movie. Why is he chopping him up? It's just for his artwork? I have no idea. I get the impression
1: that he is a cannibal, but that Grandma wasn't. And so he'll eat whatever Grandma puts on the tray. But when he's cutting fingers off into a bowl... I
2: consider that finger food. (laughs) He was in the kitchen. They do back away from it. I'll give you that. They don't play it up. I think that's partly because they want us to be endeared to Leatherface. That, as we'll find out as we get to the third act, he's actually our hero. (laughs) But when he starts here, he's the killer. He's the one that's going to take out these kids one by one, starting with Daryl. And this here is what I will cite as the best
1: part of the film. It's... Fairly rote, honestly, but it is a very effective slasher setup that how many times have we seen this for now playing at this point? It's the part where all the kids are separated throughout the house. A couple of them are doing naughty things as Nikki reseduced Ryan who doesn't have the excuse of 17 kamikazes this time as to why he's cheating on Heather. And it's
2: a really suspenseful and fun sequence and chase. What? Nothing. No suspense in this movie at all. Do not lie to people and tell them that at any point in this movie, they will be terrified. This movie is jolt-free.
0: I disagree with you, Stewart. I'm sorry. I'm going to back up Arnie on this, and I'll tell you why. The Daryl death right there gives you the first jolt of the movie. We know Leatherface is in there because we've seen Texas Chainsaw movies before, but how this movie did it was great. They built up suspense for him. We knew it's coming, but when was it coming? We didn't know, and it came about two beats before I thought it was going to come. It got me. The next death with the cook making the classic Texas Chainsaw mistake of walking through doors other people went through <laughs> without even thinking before you do it, the way he gets killed, also great suspense, and also then great horror with how he gets hooked with the meat hook in the back. There is suspense. There is great tension here. There's good setup, and it's not genre breaking and groundbreaking. But what they do here is do it right. I completely agree with Arnie that the house sequences and when the killing starts is very well done.
1: Yeah, like I say, we've seen it a lot of times before, but we've seen it done right and we've seen it done wrong. And I'll tell you, the people in the row behind me were even more into it than I was because I had the wonderful theatrical experience. Somebody behind me, don't go down those stairs, man! Don't go down those stairs! And They were really into it. They were really frightened for the cook. I wasn't that into it. I knew exactly what part of the movie we were at. Here's the slaughter. Here's where the cook is going to get it. But we also get nice callbacks with the hook.
2: It's a lot of things from the original, but I think that they're well done. Well, maybe having an enthusiastic audience would have helped. I had a private screening of this movie. I was the only person in the movie theater. Two people snuck in during the middle of it and sat in the back. I don't know what they thought of it. But the theater was so indifferent to my pleasure, uh, they didn't even bother to turn down the house lights. They just (laughs) totally abandoned me (laughs) in this place. So I felt I had a very indifferent environment in which to watch this. But forget about all the other horror movies we've ever seen before. We saw this in the opening prologue. These deaths are exactly the same that they did in the first movie first guy gets hit with a hammer next person it's a guy this time gets put on the hook they're telling us that they're doing the exact same thing as the first movie here except of course they want to finish him off by giving us a 3d chainsaw and sawing him midsection with the chainsaw finally coming out in the audience and reaching out to buzz our faces as we watch
0: Stewart, I liked the parallel there. The parallels, especially since it reminded of us in the prologue, I thought that was kind of nice. I actually liked the second death was a meat hook. I picked up on that too. And later on in the movie they derivate. But at this point, I thought it was a nice callback.
2: Let me put a fine point on it. These first two kills are fine. They're probably the best in the movie. This doesn't keep going here. The movie becomes something radically different after these two are knocked off.
1: No, it becomes a standard slasher because now Leatherface is stalking through the house trying to kill the other three, which is a little bit different than the other one, although not really because after the first... Three kills in the first movie. Leatherface then goes out to get Sally and Franklin. Now Leatherface is going out to get Trey, Songs, and Heather.
2: All of this is ten minutes, Arnie. I'm talking about the fact that they move away from this slasher part pretty quickly, and it becomes a police procedural for the second half of the movie with a new villain.
0: Wait a minute, though. What they do here, which is really great with the parallels also, is he captures Heather after the cook gets it, Heather starts wandering the house, and she gets captured and put in the basement. And she, which was one of the brutal things in the original Texas Chainsaw, she watches her friends get butchered while she's still alive. And I thought that was really great. They brought that back as well. And I was really shocked by that because,
1: I mean, she's last girl. She's obviously last girl. She could have a tattoo on her forehead that says last girl. Yes. So her getting captured while Nikki and Ryan are getting it on in the barn shock the hell out of me. And then when she comes to, they do this really interesting thing where they're trying to call back to the really effective opening of the first Texas Chainsaw with the flashbulb sounds. Mm-hmm. That was the only really bad callback where she's trying to focus her eyes and we see this blurry thing and we hear the flashbulb sound. It's like, yeah, all right, that's not quite the same. Who's taking pictures? It was more confusing than callback.
0: I like the dizziness. I like the fogginess because she hit her head and stuff. So I didn't really catch that callback because I hadn't rewatched the original one as recently as you did, but I kind of liked it. I was as shocked as you were that she got captured so quick, but I do like that she escapes and that she does something that derivates from the classic slasher that I've been watching for the past 10 15 minutes. She actually leaves the damn house and she tries to leave instead of going upstairs or trying to find her friends. What does she do? She does what everyone should do in a horror movie. Leave the stinking house. Bravo. But then running into a coffin isn't much better. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah she, no, she fell down the stairs, which was hysterical. This was
2: a hilarious escape. I will give this stretch of this movie until the carnival is a laugh out loud riot where many times I was derisively laughing at her attempts to flee yes she would go out of her way to trip over things it's like oh wait here's a fence let me fall over this (laughs) boom like it was like drawn like a magnet to these things that would make her go slower so that it would give this feeble old killer time to rev up the chainsaw and catch up with this young thing that clearly goes to the gym more than he does
0: but she does make bad choices as other people in horror movies go upstairs instead of leaving the house she decides to hide in a coffin but can't stop whimpering and gets busted and here's the first time the 3d really worked for me with the chainsaw coming at us through the coffin
2: this is why they made this movie right this is it this was the grand idea was we can have the chainsaw coming through the wood directly out at the audience i have to think there was an existential crisis after this scene was shot of just like well now what do you want to do i don't know what do you want to do i don't know (laughs) let's stick the chainsaw in the face some more this is the movie right here is uh, (laughs) let's take a chainsaw and waggle it in your face
1: that said I was overall disappointed with the 3D. Even this, it didn't feel like it was in my face. It felt like it was outside of the screen. But the angles and everything, Friday the 13th 3D did it a little better.
0: But this is the only time the angle worked for me at all. Later on in the movie, when they kept on using the chainsaw coming at us didn't work at all. This one actually felt like it was coming at me the only time in the movie. The best 3D in the movie. I have one scene that's better. We'll get to it in about five minutes.
2: Most of the 3D up to this point hasn't even been functional. They haven't thought about telling the story with depth. They shot through a lot of banisters and gates and stuff just to give depth perception. But the most useless, I remember, they had dirt on the windshield when they were driving. And so that was in 3D. That it was, was like- distracting actually. Why did I pay $15 so I could see dirt in my face? This was just pointless. I would definitely say that if you're going to see this movie, and I hope people aren't, do not pay the 3D prices. Oh, I'd pay the 3D prices just for
1: Heather's breasts and 3D alone, though. Those things were out there. And so was the chainsaw. And yeah, it was fun when it came in the face. It lingered a little too long. I do agree with you, Stuart, that this was like their money shot. And I think a 3D scare works better, like a sting, when it's boom, it's in your face and then it's gone. This was kind of waggling there,
2: like, ah, chainsaw, I'm gonna cut slowly at you. This is Verna's coffin, right? She had been buried in this by Leatherface, and then for reasons unknown, Leatherface dug her up again, put her upstairs to be found by her granddaughter, and she conveniently now has an empty coffin
0: to hide in. I'm not sure about all that. I took it to be that he got out for the first time since her death, got her out of the coffin because he found her, and put her upstairs so she can, he can be with her. The whole thing you just said about, I want Heather to find her, I don't believe that.
1: Oh, no, no, I didn't think it was for Heather to find. But, yeah, Leatherface dug her up, put her upstairs, and, you know, he missed her.
0: Yeah, because in, earlier in the movie, when they get to the house, we see the grave is freshly made. So we know he dug it up since he got out, and that's how I put the whole thing together.
2: Yeah, and we will see at the very end, when they recap it, we saw that he's the one that buried her.
0: I
1: thought he was burying her again. They, they put her
0: back in the ground. Right, the first time I thought the town did it, because she died. Oh
2: okay it's very convenient that there is an open casket for her to hide in it's a very bad idea to hide in the only open casket when he knows you're in the graveyard but yes we had to have the scene we have the scene and we have people to distract leatherface so that he cannot finish the job leatherface has the attention span of my chihuahua in this movie he's
1: attacking he's about to get a kill somebody goes leatherface come come here leatherface come 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 good boy good leatherface Because as soon as they call him, he forgets his current kill and running at the
0: other ones. Squirrel! The kids in the barn, Nikki, lures the boyfriend into the barn with the worst misdirect in the whole movie. There's no way they got anybody with this. They were trying to do a, oh no, she's scared. No, bullshit. She's trying to seduce the guy. I know what they were trying to go for. Epic fail.
1: I don't know if they were really trying to go for it or if they were trying to know that we knew. Because... Nikki is a better actress in the rest of this movie than she is during this fake scare, making me think that Tanya Ramond is a good actress, playing Nikki as a bad actress, so we weren't supposed to think it. Because we knew that Leatherface had just killed the cook in the basement. There's nothing in the barn.
0: I think you might be giving a little more credit, aren't you? and it's what's wonderful you are. I well, just-
1: we're all on the same page. We knew there was nothing horrific in the barn. We knew there was sex <laughs> in the barn. And whether the filmmakers wanted us to think there was carnage in the barn or think there were titties in the barn
0: or carnal in the barn, we'll find out. Okay. So they distract Leatherface from killing their friend and he goes after them.
1: Now, this scene has been building with this slasher type of thing, and it builds to my absolute favorite moment at this point when they run back in the barn and then Heather comes and saves them with the VW bus. This is the highest point of the movie. This is my climax of the movie when they're trying to get out in that van and Leatherface is chasing after them. He's tearing up the upholstery. They're closing the door and they decide they're going to ram the gates.
2: I don't even understand. She was driving the van. At what point does Ryan start driving the van?
0: Yeah, I didn't catch when they switched places either, but I didn't actually care. I thought it was yeah. very funny. I had a great time with this scene. I'm still applauding the movie at this point for getting them in the van and getting them out of the house. Again, great choice. It's the logical thing. The right thing to do is to leave the house to try to escape instead of this traditional stuff in horror movies. So when he rams the gate, what a bad choice, man. And I loved that Leatherface slashed the tire. I loved it. I was cheering. What a it was intelligently written.
1: But uh, along those same lines, Brock, I'm going to give them credit because I really expected Heather to forget the chainsaw wielding maniac and go, "What were you two doing in the barn?" I mean, they were f- screwing in the barn. Nikki doesn't have any pants on, but the m- screenplay writers do it right.
2: Let's worry about the cheating later. Let's escape the chainsaw wielding maniac now. Yes. I can't believe you guys are calling this a compliment by not hitting the lowest note. This is not well written. It's funny. It is funny. I'll give you that. I'm laughing at this. I'm laughing that the gate automatically opens when they approach, but he was not willing to wait for that and ram the vehicle instead. All of this is funny in a bad way. I give it props because
1: every other movie I've ever seen, the gate flies off the hinge. This is the first time I've seen a gate do what a gate should do and stop you from passing.
0: Yeah, and what I'm saying well-written, Stuart, is surprising me. Like, the movie actually took the time to have Leatherface actually have a chainsaw that's effective and actually do damage to this van. And then the results in a realistic scenario happening here, if a guy's coming out with a chainsaw, in the other chainsaw movies that we've seen, they all get away with it. Especially in the first one, he's chasing the truck, they get away with This time, he actually damages the truck, and the truck flips over, and that felt good as a result of what's going on here. It made me laugh
2: that she tries to tell Nikki to be quiet. Like the killer won't know they're in the vehicle after it flips over. She's like, oh, yeah, no one will find you in the overturned car that he saw you driving away in. This is all very, very bad.
1: This is well done, but rote slasher stuff.
0: Yeah, I agree. Not reinventing the wheel here, but I'm enjoying how they're doing it with a more modern sensibility than we've seen for a while.
1: Honestly, it's one of the best slashers I've seen in a decade as far as this type of stuff goes. I mean, I'm looking back to the 80s and the 90s, Halloween H20 and things like that to find instances where Scream hasn't ruined it and they're not trying to do it but more postmodern. Yeah, they're just giving us a good rendition of what's been done a million times before.
0: I've watched a lot of these movies with you two, so I'm kind of used to what I should be getting and what's good and what's bad in this genre, and I think this portion of the movie is doing it right and having an enjoyable time for this section of the movie.
2: Does that continue when we go on to a carnival That was
1: a little bit different. I did, like Brockett earlier said, Child's Play 3 did come to mind. And I was wondering why Leatherface is so fixated on her and not killing townsfolk. I expected here the body count to just triple, quadruple. No, he's very fixated and the townspeople are fleeing, and for all the smart choices Heather has made in this entire movie, the one I
2: don't get is, I'm going to escape
1: on the Ferris
2: wheel. All right. Open gales of laughter at this point. If I had bought popcorn, I would be throwing it at the screen. This is the worst. This is pitiful. She doesn't even get into the car. She's just dangling there. He's waiting on the other side for the three minutes it's going to take for her to go around like a rotisserie and he can carve up the meat. Meanwhile, I presume there is somebody that is operating this machine. It is Texas. You can't tell me that many people at this carnival don't have guns. No one is intervening. (laughs) This is the pits. This is absolutely the worst. This is one of the worst scenes I've seen in any horror
0: movie. They did set up the carnival plenty of times beforehand. So when they got to the carnival, I'm like, oh, yeah, the carnival. They did set that up. But the Ferris wheel escape, I literally laughed <laughs> out. I yeah. doubt
2: out you not. Yeah. This is embarrassing. It this is, is the so worst bad. choice ever <laughs> to
1: escape. On something that's going to put you right back where you were in a couple of minutes. <laughs>
2: it's like a Simpsons joke. I feel like this would actually play really, really well in a Simpsons episode or so. It's just it's so bad you can't believe that this is the conclusion for this scene. But it does allow them to give Kurt, the boy cop that's sort of been flirting with Heather previously, to I don't know, would you call it being doing something heroic? He says, Hey stop, man, and draws a gun and Leatherface runs away, throwing the chainsaw at our faces. Which is, in my opinion, that's the best because I didn't see it coming. Chainsaws are
1: heavy. I didn't see one being thrown at our face. It actually shocked me and it got the biggest jolt out of me. So, yes, while I felt the scene did get a little silly at the carnival, it ended on the highest note of the movie for me with that chainsaw being thrown at me.
2: Okay. Well, I don't know if the note's that high, but I agree. That was a pretty good use of 3D effects. I didn't expect it, and yeah, I'll go with that. I also think the carnival was their attempt to get in a little dig at a Texas Chainsaw ripoff. Motel Hell. Did you ever see that one? I missed that one. It's got a guy with a pig head and a chainsaw. and it- Oh,
1: no, no, no. I thought that was Saw. The guy with the pig head in the black robe, that's right out of Saw. Is it? Yeah. I thought they were making fun of Saw, the old Twisted Pictures Halloween moneymaker, and having Leatherface scare off the pig-headed mask of Jigsaw.
2: Well, they did it in Motel Hell, too, so I don't know. I'm confused. That makes more sense that they would pick a current target to satirize. I don't watch Saw movies, so I didn't know that.
0: I didn't know it either. You're probably right. Yeah.
2: But this is the point of the movie where it really has an existential crisis of what do we do now she goes into police custody and for the next 20 minutes it feels like she's just reading files and going through boxes and nothing is happening
1: well it's about five minutes of that because what is happening is the police are involved i was a little dumbfounded it's like the gangs all back together again it's like the convenience of a sequel all in the same movie that all of the exact same players who happen to be outside the sawyer home all those mysterious number of years ago are all back and in their same roles, or now the posse leader is the mayor.
0: Arnie, they're the same people, just not wearing those horrible wigs.
1: The wigs threw me. I have to say, I knew Tom Barry. I've seen him in other stuff. I knew that was a really bad wig in the opening. And so when he's here and bald, I'm like, all right, that makes sense why they gave him the horrible wig.
0: Well, same with the mayor. He had the wig connected to his hat, like Wayne's World, coming out of his hat, but not on his head.
1: But... Really, you say nothing happens, Stuart, but this is the moment where we get another cop going in. And I applaud the movie for attempting some level of realism. What happens when she escapes the killer at the carnival? She goes to the police. What do the police do? They're going to go arrest Leatherface. This all makes sense. It's Mayor Burt who fucks everything up because he's a cowboy and he's going to send one cop in unprepared rather than wait for backup that i wasn't even sure was coming honestly it seems like a very small police force i didn't hear them say wait for the others i didn't see anybody else ever show up at the house
0: i also had the same thought that this is quote-unquote realistic of what would happen next the one guy going in i didn't really like i did like that one cop though at one point says oh, maybe i should wait to go in here or i don't know about this bert or something like that i laughed out loud because finally <laughs> he finally gets scared enough to say you know i shouldn't go in here by myself
2: yeah He goes into a dark house holding a gun and a cell phone so they can watch him get killed. That is beyond bad. I can't believe you guys are going to compliment this scene. This is terrible.
0: I think it actually, with the cell phone had an element of suspense to it we all knew it was going to happen but we didn't know when again so when you have the camera on the phone good for them for using technology they should probably wish they could get a a sponsor for the movie with it (laughs) but as i got farther and farther in the catacombs i was expecting lost signal because that's you know
2: nobody had a problem with the improbability of this setup that a cop would be like oh hey let me do this really In Texas? You're the one who just talked about Texas and their guns. I'm not talking about improbability of him going in with his gun. He has a free hand. Turn on a light switch. Do not hold out your phone. That is stupid.
0: That is beyond stupid. Not only that, Stuart, he's narrating the whole time, which I found stupid. I thought, keep your freaking mouth shut because they're going to give away your position to the guy who's down there. You know who's there. Uh
1: That's a very good point I didn't think about at the time, Brock. But what I will give this is I was giving it all of this because... I was just like, when's he going to be killed? You know he's going to be killed. And as he gets down further in the cellar, it reminded me a lot of a video game. You know, he had a flashlight, even though it was a camera, and we were doing this found footage kind of thing of watching it back at the sheriff's office. I personally think the sheriff and the mayor are both a bunch of puss asses because they should have been in the car going to provide some sort
2: of backup, but... Kurt is on the road there's that handsome clint eastwood son kid that they put it back on the road why not send him over there it doesn't make any sense that there is nobody helping this guy out
0: it sure does because we'll find out five minutes later with the most <laughs> unsurprising reveal of the whole movie that he's the mayor's son he's not going to send his son into the house knowing that the chainsaw murderer is in there stewart
2: i didn't get a sense that he had
1: a lot of compassion for the kid but whatever I did like how Nikki got it in the end. The cop shooting her in the head. That was a fun little callback to the first one. I'm wondering what happened to her. She's left alive. The chainsaw hit her in the gut, but she's okay. And I'm wondering, is she alive or dead? And when the cop is looking at the refrigerator, I'm like, oh, she's in the refrigerator. And sure enough, she does that exact same thing that they did in the first one. It was fun.
0: I agree. I liked also his knee-jerk reaction. I felt that was a great death, actually. Like, again, that was a realistic thing. She popped out at him and she shot him. Why wouldn't he shoot her? He has no idea who she was. The fact that Bert <laughs> blows it off so quickly had me laughing out loud. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It never <laughs> happened. Never happened.
1: <laughs> never happened.
0: Never happened. Never <laughs> happened.
1: It's on video. Never happened. <laughs> and I do like... That the cop does get it and we get to see Leatherface actually skin a face. That was kind of a cool thing. I was having fun.
0: Remember a second ago, I said that the gore factor in this movie wasn't so disgusting to me and all that kind of thing. I thought this entire taking his face off thing looked incredibly cartoonish, actually. So it didn't really gross me out at all because I couldn't stop looking at the animation.
1: You haven't seen Hellraiser. It took me back to Frank and Hellraiser. And because of Frank and Hellraiser, I'm like, yeah, that's how I would expect it to look.
0: Fair enough. I've seen Face Off, though.
1: That's true. Same (laughs) premise. (laughs) What I didn't expect and I didn't necessarily like was Leatherface sewing the mask to himself.
2: Yeah, that's the Rambo moment. That's where he's going to suit up and get his ammunition. He's going to step out. They have more or less been faithful to the characterization of Leatherface as an introvert. I have believed that in all of this time, whether it be 20 or 40 years, that he has not ventured outside of Verna's mansion, that he has been hiding in this basement. He has not been killing any of these people that murdered his family, even though he would like to. And he starts scratching their face off in the photograph he has posted the wall. It is this moment where he gives himself the freedom to say, I am going to go out there and finish this job and start taking those people out. I question whether I want to watch a movie in which I'm rooting for a serial killer to go do that, but that's what this moment is about. I didn't get that. I just
1: thought it was gore for gore's sake, elongating the film. Now, looking at it in retrospect, you're right. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was get on that CB he was listening to and go, I'm your worst
0: chainsaw. I am not an expert. I don't make skin masks in my free time. But did he tan the face first? Does that naturally wither that fast? How did it get so dark? That bothered me too.
1: It really did. I thought it should have been much more like they did in the reboot where Leatherface puts on the guy's face and it looks like the guy's face.
2: It looked like a mask. Yeah, well, maybe Marvin didn't use uh, skincare products, you know, UV protection. You know, he is out in the Texas sun all day long as a cop. I don't know. Maybe it was naturally weathered.
0: Again, maybe skin turns that dark that quickly when cut off a person's face. I don't know. This is the least of my problems with the movie at this point. The least?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Here, improbability stacks upon improbability because the mayor decides not only is he going to kill Leatherface, but he's going to kill Heather. You just have some problems right there with the logistics. The sheriff is powerless to stop it. I have a problem with that. And rather than just killing her in a logical manner, no, first they're going to take her out to the old slaughterhouse, tie her up. What are they doing?
0: What I thought they were doing with her at the slaughterhouse was to get rid of all evidence. They were trying to make this close open and shut. So it made sense to me they brought her out to the slaughterhouse.
1: Did it make sense that they tie her up, feel her up and leave her there as they very slowly in a James Bondian
2: fashion decide to kill her? Clearly, they were giving the audience what they thought they wanted here. This is about titillation as much as anything here. And it's about annihilation. And if they found out that she had a brother, they would drive off and go kill him as well. We are to believe that Bert is the bad guy. Bert wants every Sawyer dead. He would do anything that he could at this point to make sure that everyone connected with that family was dead. And thus, that makes him letter. He's the bad guy at this point. And Leatherface is the good Avenger. That
1: was a twist that I can't say I didn't see coming because Heather was doing art in the beginning, but I really expected more of a Halloween 2 kind of twist where Heather became the bad guy, not that the killers were the ones we root for. By the same token, all I could think about, Stuart, is the numerous times we've had the conversation about how in these movies you're always rooting for the killer. So here we actually make the killer the protagonist in every way instead of making it the audience's
2: guilty pleasure. And if you remember those conversations, I never liked that choice.
0: And I didn't like the choice here with Leatherface either. I, too, thought that she was going to become a killer at the end, not that they were going to team up. The teaming up thing really, really did not sit well with me.
1: Yeah, that line, do your thing, cuz, had me groaning. And I'm like, that is a wonderful, wonderful, awful line.
0: Well, they had her sitting there reading the family history, and you could see that they're supposed to be doing this, and she's turning around to the characters. That entire transition was just a huge leap into the point where he, she's about to get killed by Leatherface until Leatherface realized they were related. And then she's more than happy to team up with them. All her friends that she knows, even though they're bad friends, they're still dead back at the house because of this guy. The stuff is very fresh in her mind. And she's taking it all very well in stride. I understand it's a horror movie, folks, but the jump in logic there is so great that it doesn't work at all at the end of this movie.
2: I think my problem with it mostly is that it's a choice that she makes. It's a logical conclusion. As she's read through the case and determined everything that's happened she doesn't focus on the fact that her family were killers, butchers, cannibals none of that sticks with her what she remembers is that the sheriff burned them all down in a house and she wants revenge and she's decided it is the logical thing to team up with her friend's killer to fight the greater evil. If they had written it that she had snapped, if she was laughing maniacally like Sally did at the end of the first one, I would be like, okay, well she flipped her lid. She doesn't know what's right and wrong anymore. She's gone crazy. She's just like her cousin. I'll go with that. But no, we're to believe that the only logical conclusion after assessing the facts is that all of the yokels must die and Leatherface we're going, yeah, when he's revving that chainsaw here at the end.
1: Yeah, the logical choice of becoming a killer, it's a jump the chainsaw moment. But I saw where this movie was going from the beginning. And so at this point, it had taken me along for the ride so far that I knew what I was about to see Leatherface and Heatherface team up and kill the mayor and his goon. Did the son live? I think the son
2: lived, didn't he? No, that's what's crazy is they send him off. They're like, there's no place for a cop to be. So we can presume that should there be a sequel that Scott Eastwood would come back to cause problems for her at the plantation.
0: Yeah, because that killed me at the end of this movie is that when they end this movie, the son doesn't come by immediately. The son has to know what happened. The whole thing is baloney how they just end the movie that way. Why even bring the son into it?
2: Sheriff Hooper witnesses it with his own eyes and is just like, "Okay, whatever." Like he is going to be okay with the fact that these two are going to walk away from this and continue to live in the house.
1: Believe it or not, I went with the sheriff's arc on this one. The sheriff is such a pussy who does done nothing the whole movie. He's trying to arrest the Sawyers and a posse comes. The sheriff does nothing. And then at the end, it is completely believable to me that the sheriff would continue to do what he has done for 20 years. Nothing.
0: Well, actually, he's making a choice to do that because he's felt what the mayor did was wrong. So this is his like standing up moment, Arnie. Yeah, he's not doing nothing. He's actually actively doing something for the first time. He's
1: actively doing nothing. But exactly. in a way, he's
2: almost teaming up with Heather and Leather. By the way, it wasn't the wrong decision. It's taxes. Death penalty. Those people would have been killed eventually. They just saved the taxpayers a ton of money by not having to go through the courts there. Those people were always going to be prosecuted and killed for what they did. Let us not forget that they started it.
0: All that being said, I thought the chopping up of Bert in the meat grinder looked terrible.
1: It was bad. Yeah, yeah it was Kind of fake, but kind of fun, too, in a hamburgery way.
0: Gremlins did it much better 25 years ago, and they have CGI at their disposal and made it look even worse. Come on. I
2: don't think that the gore in this was very good at all. I think gorehounds are going to be disappointed. I do wonder
1: if the NC-17 rating had something to do with that. And I also wonder if the cop's son may have had just a really gory death. I cannot imagine they just let him drive off to the sequel. Yep. I think that on Blu-ray, the gore hounds may be more satisfied, as will the plot. Caring people. And so the movie reaches its logical conclusion that Heather is now the Sawyer matriarch and she's gonna take care of Leatherface, who willingly returns to the basement like a Rottweiler ready to be released at the right time.
0: I'd like the moment they shared when she picked up the tray of food. I thought that was a nice little moment in a completely unbelievable and unsatisfactory conclusion to this movie. Bravo to that actress for conveying that scene. I'll give her that compliment.
2: I just think it's quite a dare. You know, the woman playing the grandmother, this is her moment here. She's finally reading the letter. We're hearing the voice. It's the same actress from the original movie. It is Marilyn Burns who's passing the torch. She concludes the message by saying, now is your time. Good luck with it. It almost feels like a taunt. I dare you to keep going down this road. (laughs) There's just nowhere else to go with this thing. They've killed this franchise with this ending. This is not a new team-up for a new generation. Nobody is going to want to watch Heather and Leatherface take out the guy from the bar that's escaped Justice and Clint Eastwood's son. That's just not a sequel.
0: Also, they do not, again, cover that letterface is a cannibal here because I don't think she knows that he's eating her friends down there. Her friends are still down there all chopped up, and she has no feeling towards that at all. We get no betrayal or any sense that she's okay with this or anything like that. She just kind of end the movie so unsatisfactorily. How can they possibly have her go through this entire ordeal and end here, even at the end where that door is where her friends are right beyond, all cut up? I'd buy
2: it more if it were a suicide pact or something. Like, she agrees to burn down with the house with him. But she'd want to take this guy out. She would not want Cousin to live. At this point, given the
1: movie that we've seen, I'm with you, Brock, that what about all your dead friends who are back there? Does this just mean you don't have to feed leather for a while? But, yeah, it's an impossible, not improbable, impossible leap of quote-unquote logic to make. And, yeah, I did not go with the character... On this
2: journey. And when they've done it before, they have. Rob Zombie did this exact same thing at the end of Halloween 2. And I hated it then as well. There was no Halloween 3. This is the death. There's no way they can write this and go forward with this plot. No, they won't get the actress back. They won't bring the character back.
1: Like, every Texas Chainsaw before it, it will be forgotten when they do make a new one. And they will eventually. But now... I'm guessing based on your reactions to the ending, both of you ran screaming from the theaters as soon as the credits began
2: to roll. It was the new metal <laughs> song, Arnie. It was the new metal when they were talking about sweet me
0: Oh, you uh, missed not, it. You missed it. It's a Louis Prima song. It's closer to the bone. Sweeter is the meat. It's a Louis Prima song, a swing jazz number from the 60s. It's a remake. Uh, it's, uh, it was brilliant. I loved it, but I had to go pee, so I had to leave the theater. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. So no, the music in this was uniformly terrible. Was- I laughed out loud at the song, The Lord Will Fuck You Up. Yes, yeah, I did too. Okay. I did I, too. <laughs> I, I want that I, song on my iPod. I was not jiving with any of these tunes, and that was what pushed me out. I was done. Well, all of those Marvel movies have me conditioned that I
1: sew my ass to the seat until the film reel stops, and there was a post credit scene. You're kidding. What happened? The adoptive parents of Heather come to visit her in the mansion, and when standing outside, the mother is trying to make things right between the husband and the daughter and saying, Now when you see her, you hug her and tell her you love her. And the father goes, with the, as much money as she inherited, I almost do. And they open the door, and it's not Heather, it's Leather and the chainsaw, as
2: he's about to get two final kills. Okay.
0: All right. I guess that would be a nice button, I guess, if you're into the end of the movie.
2: Yeah, I'd still say that Kurt and the bar owner that hung the chainsaw at his bar are still running free. There's more people on the list to kill, but I guess we wanted to see them die.
1: Well, let's find out if we did. Brock, Stewart. do you recommend... Texas Chainsaw 3D. Brock.
0: I was with Arnie for a lot of this movie. I actually did enjoy that the classic slasher had come back. They did a lot of things right here. They didn't do excessive gore. They didn't do things just for shock value. They didn't modernize it to the point where I found it not honoring the original. I like the homages to the original series. They, They brought the armadillo back. They brought the freezer back, the hooks. So it was a nice way to revisit and take a step forward in this series for i'd say half the movie i was really with this movie and i had a good time admittedly again it's been a long time since i've seen a slasher movie, so maybe i was just in the mood for one and i did come in with the lowest of expectations but i thought they were doing a lot of things right but after they tried to escape the house and they went to the carnival the movie took a giant turn for me and choice after choice after choice this movie was making it was losing me more and more and more to the point where the final twist comes and we all know the moment is do your thing cuz was the nail in the coffin for me this had me and it lost me. It's kind of like Die Another Day. The first half was so good, and the second half was not. When we had Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, there was enough there in that first half that I really, really enjoyed it that When I didn't like the second parts of it, I could still give it a recommend, albeit a weak one. I'm going to go the opposite way on this one. The twists and the turns that this one took in the second half of this movie lost me to the point where I just can't recommend it. But it's a weak not recommend. This is the third best Texas Chainsaw movie in the series. Of course, given the other sequels we saw, that's not necessarily (laughs) saying much. But it is honestly the third best Texas Chainsaw movie, and it is a weak not recommend for me. And I have to say, folks, I was surprised that I almost recommended this. Sorry, filmmakers. You almost had me.
2: Stewart. Well, unlike Brock, I have been watching a lot of horror lately, and I made a New Year's resolution, a New Year's evil resolution. I wasn't going to give bad slasher movies any more passes. I had lovingly give fruitcakes to Silent Night 2 and Silent Night 5 and kind of appreciated the genre for what it was because it was, came from the silly 80s. But there's just no excuse in this day and age to have a movie this bad. My question looking at this film is, is it the worst of the bunch? Is it the absolute worst? I I'm going to say no. Next Generation is still far and away the worst Texas Chainsaw. But this gives a run for the money. This is a horrible, deplorable, badly made film that I absolutely hated. Pretty much start to finish here. Uh, The prologue was kind of neat to see in 3D, but they squandered the gore. The characters were boring and even The filmmakers got bored with the traditional slasher and decided to go to the carnival and really take this to ridiculous heights. I can't believe that anyone would waffle on this. This is clearly, clearly a butcher job on the Toby Hooper original and not a direct sequel at all. It is deplorable, a dismal affair, a strong not recommend, a terrible way to begin 2013.
0: Is your recommend on this because they just threw away the entire field? No, the
2: it's movie? because it's a
0: horrible,
2: horrible film! I can't believe that anyone would see anything good in it. It's a horrible film!
1: Well, I agree with both of you in certain regards. Brock, I agree with you that this movie took me on a very fun ride for the beginning. I'd say two thirds. It starts to go bad at the carnival, and it's a rapid descent after that. I have to watch the clock to find out whether it's half or two-thirds, but it felt like two-thirds of this movie was rote, and I really liked the chase through the house. It was a good slasher. And Stuart, I agree with you. I also took a New Year's evil resolution. It actually started for me when we did the Silent Night Deadly Night series in November, where I wanted to not let all of the movies we've reviewed for now playing taint me. I wanted to be able to enjoy horror for what horror is, and slashers for what slashers are. And if you go back and listen to our very first retrospective series, Friday the 13th, I gave some passes to horror films that are rote. And that's because I like horror. I'm a fan of horror. I do not give passes to bad horror, but I enjoy a good slasher film. And because of that, on that meter of scale, I consider this a recommend. This film is getting a recommend from me. I agree completely with Brock that this thing falls to shit at the end. The question I have is, is the end so redonkulous that we're going to negate what it did right? And I'm going to say no, because I had such a good time for the first hour of this film that that last half hour, when it was going way off the rails, it's like, It had become a friend to me, and I'm like, you know, you're doing some bad things, but I still love ya. It's a weak recommend. It was a question of how bad that ending is. But, unlike Brock, I'm just gonna fall slightly on the line of recommend. It's a rote slasher, it's a C movie, but... I haven't gotten a good slasher in well over a decade. This is the best I've seen in quite some time. It's better than the remake of Friday the 13th by far. It's better than Halloween 2 by far. And it's better as a slasher than even Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. The Stalking Through the House is the best rote slasher I've seen in a long time. It's a throwback to the 80s, and I'm... Happy for it. I'm not going to damn it for being a throwback to the 80s in the 21st century. I'm going to applaud it for being a throwback to the 80s in the 21st century. And no, it is not of the same tone of the original, which I have come to appreciate, but it did exactly what you said it should do, Stuart. It elevated Leatherface to soul killer, gave him a chance to be the star. I don't necessarily want a sequel. I don't think that they should. I don't think that they will. There will be another Chainsaw. It will not follow this storyline, I don't think. But this one, you could do far worse. Mild recommend.
0: So you've heard us say that we've all gone back and listened to our previous shows in this series. Have you done that yet? Go to our archive section at nowplayingpodcast.com. You can find all of these shows in this series there, as well as... Other shows that we've reviewed since 2010 when we started this series, like the James Bond series and many, many others. Again, the archive sections at nowplayingpodcast.com. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter where you can follow us there. Join in the conversation. Some of you already has started to predict which way we will fall on this very series. That happens every time. And it's kind of fun to see what you guys predict. And we know who's right and who's wrong now, don't we? (laughs) That's always fun. You can also please go to our forums. There's a link to that. ...on our website, and you can join the conversation with people who like to do it old school on the forums. Some really good conversations happen over there, so check those out. That link, again, can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com.
1: And also, during our first time at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Retrospective Series, we ended each one talking about our very first donation series for Child's Play. Those podcasts haven't been available since then... But right now, you are actually able to hear our Child's Play retrospective as well as all of our donation retrospective series, including Alien, Jaws, The Thing, George Romero's Living Dead films, and many more are all available on the now playing 5th Anniversary DVD. The orders for those closed, but we had to order an even number of discs, so we have a handful of leftovers. And once they're gone, they are gone but there is a small number of DVDs still available. You can find the details by clicking the banner at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com.
0: So you guys are starting a new series next week.
1: Yes, next week we start our Die Hard retrospective. I got to see a new trailer for A Good Day to Die Hard before Texas Chainsaw. We will find out if it is A Good Day to Die Hard, but we're actually starting with Frank Sinatra as that retrospective (laughs) series. With his 1960s film The Detective. Tune in next week to find out why.
0: So please tune in next week,
1: and we'll talk to you soon. Do your thing, credits. (laughs) All right,
0: all right, all right. Yippee-ki-yay.
1: No, he's out there with a chainsaw.
0: No, no, he had a chainsaw. He was chasing me with a chainsaw. Thank you for listening to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective series from now playing. It's what the public wants! Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we cut into a new installment in this classic franchise.
2: People may not remember what we say here tonight, but they sure as shit gonna remember what we do.
0: You can find other Now Playing retrospective series such as Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Saw, Terminator, Star Trek, and others at our website. Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. Go to NowPlayingPodcast.com and click the archives link to find those series, as well as individual movie reviews such as Avatar and Inception. We got the means, we got the machine. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films with other podcast listeners. First, I'm gonna kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post new episodes. And the Now Playing hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Welcome to my world! Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. If you enjoy Now Playing, please support the show. You can find a link to donate to the show using PayPal on our homepage, or you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more at the Now Playing Cafe Press store. If you need anything, just (laughs) tweet. And remember, if you make a donation of $10 or more made by October 31st, 2010, you will receive as our thank you the exclusive now-playing Child's Play retrospective series. All right, all right, all
2: right.
0: Now playing, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is edited by Arnie.
2: Boys, you never should have been doing that.
0: Now Playing is not affiliated with New Line Cinema, Canon Films, Columbia Pictures, or Platinum Dunes. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the intellectual property of its copyright and trademark holders, and no infringement is intended. I speak plain. Saves time. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2010. Brazos. Brazos.
1: Yippee-yay! I am Uh, recording. I am recording. I am recording. Alright. Let's do it. Get that out of the way. (laughs) Mm. Today, we are talking about Texas Chainsaw 3D. Starring Alexandra Daddario, Dan Yeager, Tremaine Neverson, Tanya Raymondide, Thom... Tanya Raymond... Ramon... (laughs) Raymond,
0: I'm doing a chainsaw dance right now. You'll there. never I hear from any things. of
1: these people again. <laughs> it
0: doesn't matter. Alexandra Daddario was working a lot.
1: Yeah, and I know um, Tanya from TV. Yeah, I've seen her too. Uh, Tanya Ramonde. Tanya, R- Ram-
0: fucking dog. How about Raymond? Hold just on. say Raymond. Maybe the E is silent.
2: Why not just leave her off? She's got a small part. She's the second lead.
0: Hold on. And hey, that dog second, was in the second. movie too. He was yeah. great. <laughs> Just be a moment. Yippee-yay.
2: So that is the plot. Um, I'm a little disappointed you didn't sing it, but I guess you know it's it's I've got a cold myself. <laughs> did it's, you it's hear little... the music from the original? If I did any of that score,
1: <laughs> it's the only thing that could have made my singing worse.
0: Yep, yay. And I'm with you, and Arnie stole my word. Man, I say that on these shows. <laughs> I give the mulligans around here because, and I think that's the one I'm going to give it because I think.
2: Yippee-yay. But it, it did make me feel old that this was a star I had never even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say, Arnie? <laughs> I- I <hadn't- laughs> that says
0: it all. <laughs> yippee
1: I was really trying to figure out what they were trying to tell us about this kickboxing character. Oh, wait, no, this just is his real tattoos, and he's a singer. Okay.
0: Well, yeah, Arnie, a, a lot of folks are very much painted. Uh, it's a very common thing now that I'm seeing on television, and uh, sports figures have those, and I, I think rappers do. But, I mean, I'm some, I'm coming off so old by this entire sentence, so I'm just going to be quiet. <laughs> Yippee-yay.
2: Percy Jackson, a poor man's Harry Potter that <laughs> sounds like a civil <laughs> rights leader, doesn't it? I don't think I'm on that <laughs> retrospective. I'm just going <laughs> to say that now. Hey, Jerry, we need you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yippee-yay. Before we even meet him, you hear he made her crepes, and then all these stereotypes are coming out. And when he shows up and he wants to make the dinner, and all, I'm like, I think they're trying to say he's gay, but don't want to say he's gay. Are you saying that you can't be a man who cooks and be straight? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I make a, I make a damn good quiche. What I'm saying is— Does that make that- you gay? Yes. That's, I'm coming out right now in Texas Chainsaw 3D, folks. I am... That's me. No, seriously, it's... Yippee-yay.
2: By the way, I'm just going to interrupt one brief. Did you mean Saw or did you mean Hostel? I meant Saw. Isn't, isn't there someone in a pig mask in Hostel too? I guess there is someone in a pig mask, but it's the black robe that tells me
1: Saw. Okay. Because uh, uh, That's the one with the puppet. Yeah, but that the puppet rolls out and talks on VHS, but when he abducts people, he puts on a pig mask.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um,
1: Why but- have I missed this series? <laughs> Yeah, 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 hey.